0: Thank you for listening to Sandals Church Podcast. Today's episode is a rebroadcast of our sermon titled, What Does God Want From Me? from Pastor Matt Brown. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, welcome to Sandals Church. So glad you're here, whether you're out of campus or you're watching from home or on your phone or wherever it is that you are. I wanna talk about one of the most difficult questions, I think, for all of us who are interested in God. At some point in your life, you're gonna get frustrated, you're gonna get exasperated, and you're just gonna wanna know, God, what do you want from me? God, what, why am I here? What is it that you want from me? Because oftentimes in life we get confused, uh, we, we, we wonder whether or not our faith is real, we're not sure about what we're doing. And so we get in this place where we're just exasperated. And in that moment, in that raw moment, there's there's a moment of authenticity. There's a moment of realness, right? I mean, sometimes like in your marriage, you get too real you're like, whoop, wish I could pull that back. And the same thing is in our relationship with God. Sometimes we get so frustrated, we get so emotional, all of a sudden we're more real than we thought we should have been, but that's great. The Bible says the Lord is, is close to all who call upon him in truth. And so God already knows what's going on in your heart. And God already knows that you need to ask this question, God, what do you want from me? God, I'm single, what do you want? God, I'm a high school student, what do you want? God, I'm, I'm, I'm in midlife. God, I, I'm retiring, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? God, what is it that you want from me? And here's the beautiful thing about the scriptures. God never leaves us hanging when it comes to what he wants. I mean, if you're in a relationship with people, right, sometimes it's hard to know, like, what do you want from me? As a husband or a son or a daughter or a parent, it's hard to figure out what somebody wants, but God is so crystal clear. And so we're transitioning in Romans today to chapter four. And I'm gonna introduce someone to you that many of you've never heard of, and his name is Abraham. And I want you to know that some of you You're so intimidated by church. You're so intimidated by the Bible because you feel like you don't know anything. And I want you to know that you may have more in common with Abraham than you think because Abraham's the first person in his family to follow God. Abraham's the first person in his family to learn about God. Abraham's the first person in his family to trust God. And I want you to know that Abraham is not just a blessing for his wife, for his children, but Abraham is a blessing to you and to me and for some of you right now if you can understand what God wants and respond, not only are you gonna change your life, but you're gonna change your whole family's life for generations, people that you'll never meet and never know, but you'll meet them in heaven because of the decision you made today. So Abraham makes a decision. He changes his life, and because his life is changed, your and my life can be changed. So Romans chapter 4, verses one through five, It says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. Now, now we're not Jewish, but we come from the Jewish nation. We come from the Jewish faith. Without Jews, there's no Jesus. Jesus is Jewish, and so he's the Jewish Messiah, and so it all starts with Abraham, who begins to teach us how to trust God. Moses gives us the law of God. The prophets give us the heart of God, and Jesus brings salvation to God. But it all starts with Abraham, Abraham's our guy. So I want you to look at this sentence. I love how it's been translated. What did he discover? What did Abraham discover that you and I need to discover about being made right with God? And let me tell you why you and I need to hear this because I hear the wrong thing all the time. People say all the time, well, I'm a good person. And one day I'm gonna stand before God and it's gonna work out because I'm good, God's good, we're good. That's not what God thinks. How was Abraham able to have a right relationship with God. Listen to what it says. It says, if his good deeds made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that's not God's way. See, there's your way, there's my way, and then there's God's way. And it's always different. And so, listen, I I just wanna be a little offensive here. I don't care how you were raised. I want you to think about how God wants to raise you up. I want you to think differently. You see, that's not God's way, and see, that's the problem. So many of us, when we come to God, we assume God is like me, he's like you, he's like us, and he's nothing like us, he's nothing like me. That was not God's way, why? For the scripture tells us, that's why we need the word of God to help us in our understanding. The scriptures tell us that Abraham believed God. Now, there's the first word that's so important to this message. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. How was Abraham made right? He believed, he had faith, and God said, I see that and I approve of that. You see, here's why, here's how God needs to set you straight. You see, when people work, like you, hopefully you go for a job, I mean, maybe you're waiting on the COVID check, but hopefully you have a job right now, and when you go to work, your boss doesn't say, "You know what? You you I really appreciate you this week. I'm going to bless you with this salary. I'm going to bless you with this hourly wage." No, 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 no. You've predetermined what that is, and you've earned what you've worked for. See, a lot of people think, "Well, I'm earning my salvation. I'm earning favor with God." God says, "No, no, 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 no." There ain't enough money in your bank account to earn what you owe God. He says this, "But People are counted as righteous, not because of their works, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. You see, Muslims work so hard. During Ramadan, they fast and they pray and they focus because they're trying to do enough so God will approve of them. In the same way Jews try to obey all the commandments, they wear the yarmulke that says, I'm under your commands. They grow their beards, they have their tassels, they they tie scripture around their forehead and they do all of these things, hoping it's enough. But here's the thing, it's never going to be enough. God doesn't want your works. What he wants is your heart. And so that means it's it's an area of belief, it's an area of faith. So what does God want from me? What does God want from you right now? Number one, never forget this. God wants me to have faith, faith. Hebrews 11:6 six says this, without faith, it's impossible. Underline it, circle it, never forget it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Some of you are on your little Christian hamster wheel and you're trying to impress God, right? You're taking your little selfies on Instagram with your Bible study and your tea and all of this stuff, right, because God's watching and also, you know, so are all your friends. God's not impressed with that. What he wants is faith. Without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible. You You can't make God happy and you won't go to heaven without faith. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with unbelievers, with people who've given up on God, with people who no longer, no longer trust God or think there's a God, and they, it usually comes down to a statement like this. I demanded that if God is real, that he reveals himself right now, right here, that's not the way God works. You see, an atheist on earth demands that God prove himself to be real. God in heaven demands that you have faith that he's real. And so here's the thing, the atheist acts as if they're God. God knows he's God and he's asking you to trust him. And by the way, in God's defense, he's left you a lot of evidence, like the fact that right now we're spinning and floating on a rock in the middle of a thing we call space and we're all okay with that. This is space, right? I mean, you're not standing on space right now. You're standing on a rock called Earth that's floating in space. Another thing just freaked me out. When you were in school, right, and they show you the planets, this this is gonna scare you, so be prepared, right? If you're scared, just press pause and, and, and move forward a couple of seconds. But a lot of us think that The sun is stationary and our planets are orbiting around the sun and it's just sitting there. Did you know that the sun is moving at 70,000 miles an hour through the universe? And do you know what we are? We're caught in its jet stream as it sucks us along through the universe. Like a 747 jet, the sun flew by and we're birds just sucked in its wake. Do you understand that? It's terrifying. The sun is a bullet God shot and we're just chasing it. And there's no God, this is all by accident. Two nothings got together and said, let's be something. Come on, you don't have faith, you don't have faith. Would you get on an airplane if, like, we don't know where this came from, it just appeared over millions of years of evolution. I ain't getting on that plane. Right now you're on a plane designed by God, it's called Earth, and it's traveling somewhere to the end of time and you need to be ready. You need to be ready. The Bible says it has a beginning and it will have an end. And you need to be ready for the end. So what is faith, right? What is faith? We're not, we're not sure. And so here's the problem with language nowadays. People always say, well, do you believe X? Or do you believe Y? And I say this, what do you think X means? And what do you think Y means? Because oftentimes when people ask me about words, it's a setup. They don't actually care what I think. They just wanna just smash me. So when I say faith, you say faith, someone else says faith, it means all kinds of things, right? And we gotta be very, very careful because there's a, a lot of people running around saying they have faith. My daughters, they like to watch The Bachelor. The Bachelor, this last season, came out and said he's a man of faith. And I was like, oh, dear God. Oh, dear God, help us, right? Because a lot of people who say they're one thing are actually another, and a lot of Christians, a lot of the reasons people don't believe in God have nothing to do with God, but they have to do with people in the public eye that have said, look at me, I'm a person of faith. So I have to be careful. So Hebrews 11, one and three says this, now faith, this is what faith is. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You see, a lot of you have hopes and dreams, that's not faith. Faith is being certain of what we hope for in God, certain of what we believe about God. I can't see it, but I believe it. By faith, listen to me, scientists, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Look, you might figure out something at your university, something in your school, something with your math degree, your physics degree. All you're gonna discover is how God did it. But by faith, I trust God over your professor. I trust God's mind over your mind. I trust God's ability over your ability. God made it. He designed it. He created it. So that what is seen was made out of what was, of what was, visible, so that what was seen was was not made of what was visible, God created it out of nothing, he just created it. So in the Greek, the word faith is pistis, and some of you are like, I'm pistis right now, I'm pistis at you, Pastor Matt, you're ticking me off. That's not what the word means. The Greek word is pistis, and it can be translated really in three ways, okay? It can be translated trust. So why would God want you to have pistis if you're gonna be in a relationship with him. It can be translated trust, listen to Jesus. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, pistis, and trust also in me, Jesus says. Why would God want you to trust him? Here's why, all real relationships are based upon one thing, trust. Come on, married people, somebody give me an amen. Listen to me, if you lose trust, you may have lost your marriage. We had to go over this time and time again with our children. Why? Children lie. They do, just like you did, just like I did. I used to tell my kids, your dad was the best liar ever. Just stop, just stop lying. Whatever you're gonna say, I already thought of it. I may have already done it. One of my favorite conversations with one of our kids is we were asking them what happened and we were on the seventh story. I'm like, so so this one, this is the real one. The first six, rubbish. Come on now, (laughs) just tell me the truth. Here's the thing, this is what I would tell my kids. The only way to have a real relationship is with trust. You're not perfect, I'm not perfect, but we have to trust each other. Why does God want you to have faith? because real relationships required trust. And right now, God is asking you, do you trust me? Do you trust me? But here's the thing you need to know. This might surprise you. Pistis can also be translated faithfulness, which I think most of you know. Here's what you don't know. Instead of faithfulness, we could translate it loyal. Loyal. Anybody been betrayed? Anybody been lied to? Anybody been stabbed in the back, right? That's not who God is. God wants you and I to be loyal, regardless of what's happening around us. We're gonna be loyal. We're gonna be true to the one God. We're loyal to him. We're more loyal to him than our own desires. Why? Because he's more loyal to you than he was to his own life. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, if we are faithless, oh man, I love this verse. He remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Listen to me, our God is faithful, he is loyal and true. He has never left you, he has never abandoned you, he is always there for you and all he's asking from you is what he gives you every single day. So pistis means trust, it means faithfulness or loyalty. It can be translated this way, belief. Some of you call yourself a Christian. I want you to know that when you read to the book of Acts, it says that's not how we self-identified. I actually believe the word Christian was probably a pejorative, big word, cuss word, against you and I, little Christs. I think they were making fun of us. When you read the Bible, they use the word pistis as a description of who we are. We're believers. You've never seen that at a Christian school mascot, have you? Right, they're always the warriors, the lions. You know, something like that. there's no there's no believers, which would be a great name because when you're losing, right, we believe we're going to win. I mean, it would work. <laughs> I believe, I still believe. But that's who we are. So, so when the Apostle Paul talks about us, when Peter or James or John, when they talk about you and I who call ourselves Christians, it's not the word they use. They call us believers. Believers. They use that word. We're pistis. That's why we're so angry all the time. Amen. Right? No, no, no. no. Bring it back down. Yeah, that's why I'm so pistis all the time. No, 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 no. We're believers. We trust in God. Romans 4 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham pistis God. Isn't Isn't that incredible? He believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. How are you made right with God? By believing in God. You believe that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. And you say, well, I I asked one time, I demanded one time. I hear this all the time. So wait a minute, the God of the universe, the God who makes the earth spin and float, the God who shot the sun like a bullet through space and time, that God is supposed to answer you the second you ask? I think you have a very little God and I think you think a whole lot of yourself. What are, who, who are you to demand of God? Who are you? What, 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 is, what does this mean? It means that we need to believe. It, need, it means that we need to trust. But here's the thing, some of you right now, and, I, and I, I pray for you, you think you believe, you think you trust, you think you have faith. But I got news for you. You know what God wants from you? God wants me to know. God wants you to know my faith is real. My faith is real. Is your faith real? Is it real? Some of you think it is. James 219, oh man, I would have loved to have seen James on Twitter, amen. Can you imagine, he would have been roasting us. Can you imagine James on Twitter? James on TikTok, man, he would have TikTok rock rock your world, amen, I mean, he would have come after you. James says this to believers, you say you have faith? Oh, you're a believer, you're a Christian? Yea you, for you believe that there's one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So you believe in God, now you're equal to the devil. You're still not going to heaven. So the devil believes, the devil doesn't trust. The devil isn't loyal, the devil doesn't obey. So how do I know, how do I know if my faith is real? Here's here's, here's what you need to know. You and I will discover our faith is real the same way Abraham discovered his faith was real. God proves our faith through testing. So what is a test? A test is what happens to me. I didn't do it, I didn't ask for it, it came my way. Like in Abraham, he's tested by God. Sometimes we're tested by others, amen, mamas? Your two-year-old's testing you? Your girlfriend's testing you. Your husband is testing you. Your wife, people test you. People on the 91 freeway, amen, they test you. You know, I was gonna say something right now, but I'm not gonna say it because the Lord Jesus is in my heart and I'm gonna forgive you. It was a test and I passed with flying colors. Thank you, Lord. Right, people test you, don't they? But sometimes God tests you. Why? So that you can know your faith is real. You know, last week, when I preached to you, I said I was immediately gonna leave and I was gonna go to the bedside of a man in our church I did his wedding 17 years ago. You know, I didn't know they weren't married. I didn't know that they had gotten divorced. But here's the interesting thing as I prayed with him on his deathbed, on his deathbed. You know, the wife that he left was right there beside him. You wanna know why? Her faith is real. I wasn't there to question her faith. I said, I'm here to question yours. And you know, I think he was hoping for a miracle. You know, I was like, when a whoop, whoop, you know, you're healed. But you know what I said? I said, you're gonna meet Jesus. And I don't know if you're ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the almighty God? Because many of us, our mouths say one thing and our lives say something else. Hebrews 11:17. 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, oh offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Listen to me, you and I have received a promise from God. If we repent in our sins and we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. And that's a promise. And if we have faith, we hold to it. And if we don't have faith, we let go of it. But Abraham had faith. God tested him, he tests you. The first test for Abraham is this, come and follow me and leave the land that you're from and I will show you another land. Abraham doesn't even know where he's going. It's the same call that Jesus gives to you and I. Come on, believe me, follow me, trust me, let's go. And some of you are like, oh, it's too late for me. Abraham's like 80 years old. So you're 40 and you live in your mom's basement. Jesus is saying, come on, come on. Put down the video games, let's go. And Abraham trusts him. That's the first test. The next test, they're senior citizens, okay? They bought an RV, drove to Palestine, right? We're gonna trust God. And God says, you're gonna be a mighty nation. Literally, you're gonna have more children than the stars in the sky. And back then, because there wasn't smog and all these lights, Abraham could see the billions of stars. You and I are lucky if we see one. one, billions. Here's the thing, Abraham and Sarah were well past the years where you hope to have children. They were senior citizens in their RV, going to the promised land. God says, I'm gonna make you the father of, of many people. And he's like, you know, Lord, I'm trusting you, but we don't have one kid. We don't have one kid. And God says, next year, this time, you will have a child. And the Bible says Abraham's wife, Sarah, laughed. (laughs) You wanna know why? She hadn't had a period in decades, decades. Think about it, right? Her uterus was done. She laughed, she laughed. And the Lord heard that laugh. Can you imagine? I would have loved to have been right there next to God. Are you gonna fire up the uterus right now? Are you gonna do it? Can you imagine? She's like, ha, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those muscles start moving, right? The ovaries like, yeah, come on, come on, come on, right? We're gonna make a baby. Can you imagine, ladies, can you imagine? Like, it's been 20, 30 years, boom. Who's laughing now, God says. Who's laughing now? Right, Abraham heard that message, went home to Sarah, we're gonna trust the Lord tonight, amen, right? We're gonna be faithful, <laughs> we're gonna trust Jesus. So they, they don't have a kid until they're well into their senior citizen years, right? They've been collecting social security for decades and they have their first kid. Remember, Sarah laughed in Hebrew, the way you say laugh is Issach. So she names her son Isaac, who's laughing now. Isaac means laughter. She laughed at God, but God brought laughter to her because they trusted. Then they have this one son and Abraham had another son because he took, you know, things into his own hands, guys, and it was a mess. But he had his one son, the child of the promise, and God said, I want you to sacrifice your one and only son. And he brought, he brought Abraham to a mountain I believe it's the same mountain where Jesus Christ was crucified. Same hill, same spot. And he said, I want you to sacrifice your one and only son. I want you to sacrifice the son of the promise because God never wants us to trust things. He always wants us to trust him. Parents, can you imagine? And I've I've never gone through this, but I've watched families in our church have a sick child a dying child, and, and some of them have lost them. Man, that's a test, that's a test. God, you love me, God, you care for me. God, how could you take this child? How could this child be sick? How, it's a test. It may be a test from God, it may be a test from a sinful world. Sin causes cancer, God does not. Cancer's the consequence of sin. Eternal life is the consequence of our faith. And Abraham goes to bring down the knife on his one and only son, the son of the promise, his child, his future, his destiny. And as he raises the knife up, an angel says, stop. Now I know you really believe me. And guess who else knew in that moment? Abraham. Abraham, it's just a test. So what is a test? This is what Oxford says. Oxford Dictionary says a test is a way of discovering by questions or practical activities what someone knows. Let me tell you something, people. We don't like to give tests anymore. Oh my gosh, because it exposes children to failure in a subject. Well, guess what? Because of this, we have destined an entire generation of children to be failures in life. Don't be afraid of a test. All a test is going to prove whether you know it or not. What you should be afraid of is not the results of the test. What you should be afraid of is whether or not your knowledge is real. Next, a test can be a medical examination of a part of your body in order to find out how healthy it is or what's happening to it. We don't like that, tests are scary. Let me tell you something. I told you last week I was waiting the results for a test. It came back, it's cancer. I gotta get it removed. It's, that's just the, that's the reality. But there's a part of me, I told you last week that that didn't know if I wanted to test. I I already kind of knew. Cancer, skin cancer runs in my family. It's just part of being white, you know? God made us to be in Ireland where there's like no sunshine ever. But I'm in California, I'm like, "Ah!" Trying to be brown, God made me white, I was confused, you know, and now I pay the consequence. But sometimes, and you need to know, You need God to test you because some of you are living a lie. You call yourself a Christian every day. You tell other people you're Christians. I'm editing the final edit of my book. I kid you not. My book comes out in July. This is the final edit. Here's what they told me. After this, no one can make a change. So I haven't slept very well the last couple nights. (laughs) But I came across a line in chapter six. These are my words. I wrote this about me. I said, This is how my family is, we're Italian. It's in the book, printed by me. I'm the author, I said it. I was told I was Italian my whole life. It's why we're so loud, it's why my nose is so big. Don't look at my nose, listen to me. You know I took a test by 23andMe? My family's Italian, zero Italian, zero. Zero, 67% Irish. No Italian, some of you are gonna stand before judgment on judgment day and you're gonna say, God, I'm 100% Christian. He's gonna say, actually, you're zero. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you, I never knew you. You see, Oxford Dictionary, it, it, it defines a test as an act of using something to find out if it's working correctly or how effective it is. I mean, why are so many of you nervous about the COVID shots? We want more what? Testing. Oh, you want your shot tested, but you don't want to be tested. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure everybody in heaven is supposed to be there. Otherwise, it'll be just like here. 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, don't be surprised. You're like, what is the Lord doing? Listen to Peter. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Let me tell you something I've learned. The greater your faith, the greater the test. Some of you are like, well, I've never been tested. Well, you either have no faith or it's so small. You didn't even know it was a test. It was just like a boom. What was that? Oh, that was your first test. The greater the faith, the greater the test. Abraham's first test, right? It's just to come and follow. The second test is just to believe, you know, Sarah's gonna get pregnant. That's fun, that's a fun test. Then he's got to sacrifice the one and only child. That's the big test. But after that, he becomes the father of our faith, the father of the nation of Israel. And here's the thing you need to know. Here's what separates Jews from Arabs. They both have the same father but they have different mothers. Hagar is Abraham trying to take life into his own hands. And look what that's done. It's created tension between brothers, amen? But Abraham had a child through Sarah, a child of the promise. It's why all Jews, they follow their lineage through the mom not the dead. And here's the thing, Abraham made a lot of great decisions, but that one decision to sleep with Hagar and to create Ishmael because he didn't trust God, to this day there's tension and anger in the Middle East. And that's what happens when we try to make it on our own and stop trusting God. So here's the thing you need to know, God, he tests us to show us if our faith is real. And some of you guys, I've watched it over and over again, people in our church, oh, they believe, oh, they love God, oh, they're a part of us. something bad happens and they're gone forever. And I never see them again. Sometimes it's a small test that rattles their faith, that ends their faith. Sometimes it's a big test. I've watched people walk away from their faith because they lost a job. I've watched people walk away from their faith because they lost a marriage. I've watched people walk away from their faith because they lost their health. You see, the only way we know if our faith is real is if we pass the test. Do I really believe? That's why so many of you guys, you struggle tithing. Do you know what tithing is for Tammy and I? For 25 years, every month, it's a test. Is heaven real? Is God real? Do we trust him to live off 90%? Now I've made it, I'm I'm proof that you can make it. But some of you don't know. And every month you fail that test. Listen to me, you wanna be Abraham or some other dude in the Middle East that's not mentioned ever? If you want God to do great things in your life, if you want God to raise you up, you gotta trust him. You gotta trust him. So we trust him with difficult things like our finances. We, we trust him with our family, our friends. We trust him with our future. That's what we do. So stop acting as if something strange is happening to you. Welcome to life. Welcome to life, and don't run around. Oh, the Lord's testing me. No, you're making dumb decisions, stop. (laughs) I don't know why the Lord's testing me. This is my eighth husband that didn't work out. It's not the Lord. He's not the one picking. Next, God doesn't just test us. So a test is something that happens to me. I didn't do it, I didn't ask for it. God either caused it or allowed it. Okay, God either caused it or he allowed it, right? The apostle Paul says, Lord, take this away from me. Three times I prayed, and God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. God was causing that. Sometimes it's somebody else's sin. Amen, parents, your child makes a dumb decision and it afflicts your soul. That's not the Lord, that's your kid. They did it, they chose it. Your spouse cheated, your spouse lied. Your boss was a moron and they bankrupt the company. You lost your job. That's not the Lord. That's their sin coming against you. It's still a test. Are you gonna trust God through his test or are you gonna trust God through somebody else's stupidity that's a test? Either way, you gotta trust. But here's the thing. A test is something that happens to me. The next way that God proves my faith is through works. And Christians lose their mouth. Oh my gosh, works We're saved by grace through faith. Yes, yes, yes but here's what works are. I think you think works are what you do. As Christian, works is what God is doing through me. It's not what I'm doing. It's what God is doing through me. So as I'm speaking to you, God is speaking through me. But if I don't voluntarily offer myself up to speak, God doesn't use me. And some of you say, I believe God, I believe God, but you've never done anything for God. If God is not working through you, I have to ask this question, is he in you? Is he in you? Man, praise God I found out, you know, I'm not Italian now. I don't want you to find out you're not a Christian on judgment day, it's too late. I want you to know now. I want you to know now. James 2, 20 through 23, how foolish. Remember, see him on Twitter, how foolish. Can't you see faith without good deeds is useless? It doesn't produce anything in you or anybody else. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham, remember him, we've been talking about him? He was shown to be right with God. How? By his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. James helps us figure this out. How does faith and works work together? He says, you see, his faith and his actions work together and his actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. It wasn't because of his works, but his faith worked through him. And some of you say, oh, I believe in God, I believe in God. Yeah, but God's never done anything through you, then he isn't in you. And let me say this, faith is opposed to earning. You cannot earn your salvation. Faith is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. I told my son this week when he was, he was, he was doing something very scary. I said, son, I don't care about the outcome. I'm celebrating your effort. That's what makes me proud as a father, your effort. That's what makes God proud as a father. It's not whether it happens or not. Did you try? Did you give it everything for him and in his name? And let me tell you why you need to know that God's got to work through you. And here's why, faith, it's like love. You say, well, how how is it like love? Listen to me, if you truly love someone, you show it through your actions. If you have someone in your life that's abusive, mean, cruel, they, they don't ever pay attention to you, they neglect you, but they say things like this, you know I would never do that because I love you. That's not love, that's manipulation. Love, does. It's a verb. Faith is a verb. It's what we do. You see, James says, you show me your faith. He says, I'll show you what I do. I'll show you what I do. You have faith. James says, good for you. You believe, and and you all know people that have faith in God, never go to church, never serve church, never done anything for the kingdom of God in their life but they tell you they have faith. James says they don't have faith, it's dead. If it doesn't move you, it isn't in you. It isn't in you. And some are like, oh, I don't don't know if I'm a Christian. That's a great question. So the same word for test in the Bible is the same word for examine, right? What, What do we call a test? An exam, same word. The apostle Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, and let me tell you something, if you think you're whacked, read 1 Corinthians. You'll feel better. You'll feel better. makes me feel better when I'm your pastor. I'm like, what are these people doing? I read Corinthians and I can stay. It's like, okay, they got through it. I can get through it. But you know, they were so messed up as Christians, they couldn't even do the Lord's Supper right. Paul said this, before you do the Lord's Supper, he said, examine yourself. Lamentations 340, let us examine ourselves. King David said, test me and see what's in me. It's okay. It's okay to question your faith. And I'll tell you why, because God is willing to help you and me with our faith. Jesus said, oh, if you just have the faith of a mustard seed, and I don't know why I'm holding up my pinky, but I am. It's smaller than that. You can move mountains. There's a story in the Bible of, of a dad, right? Parents, you know how your kids drive you crazy, man. I, I tell people all the time, being a parent is like being on a cliff at a Hawaii. There's beautiful sunsets one night and the next night, they just throw you over the edge, just throw you over the cliff, you know? And it just happens over and over again because you love them so much and, and you care for them so much. But being a parent is, is the most incredible experience I've ever gone through. And, and it's been the most terrible experience <laughs> I've ever gone through, it, it's both. Because, right, that's what love does. L- love just puts itself all out there. And, um, you know, I think any loving parent is willing to die for their child, and some children are like, okay, I'll take you up on that, right? That's just, <laughs> that's just w- what they do. But there's this guy, there's this dad, and his son has a disease, and it's, it's humiliating. It affects them publicly. He, he he's got He's demon possessed, he, he probably has some kind of seizures. And, and he asked the disciples to heal his son and they can't do it. It doesn't work, right? That's what happens to us as pastors. We pray, nope, it didn't work. So they come to Jesus and here's what he says to Jesus. He says, if you can help, if you can help. And then Jesus jumps on Twitter, right? Well, what do you mean if I can? What do you, what do you mean if I can help? He says, what do you you mean if I can? Here's what Jesus says. Everything is possible for one who, pistis, pisteo, who believes. Everything is possible for the one who believes. You wanna be saved? Believe. You wanna go to heaven? Trust. You wanna change your life? Come to faith. Everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father, right? You know, it's a harvest crusade. The music's playing, boom, 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 boom. I believe, I believe, I believe. And he walks down the aisle and he gets right in front of Jesus. And then he realizes he's a human being, just like you and me. He says, I do believe. Oh, help me overcome my unbelief. Do you know the story doesn't end there? I know the sermon does, but that's not where the story ends. He says, I believe. Oh, God, help me. I don't believe, do I? Here's the thing. With that honesty, I believe. I don't believe. I want to believe. I hope I believe. With that, Jesus heals his son. That's all it takes. Saving faith is a faith that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that will help you in your unbelief to trust Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be obedient to Jesus. But it has to be a real faith. And listen to me, Christian, it will be a tested faith over and over again. When God stops testing you, you stop growing. You stop growing. So just welcome it. This is an opportunity for me to figure out, is my faith real or not? I lost my job. Is my faith real? My marriage has collapsed. Is my faith real? My best friend hates me. Is my faith real? These people have said horrible things about me publicly. Is my faith real? Those are opportunities for you to know. And then you step back and you look at what God is doing through you. Wow, I can't believe God did that. I can't believe that. And let me tell you something, why you need to step up and start working for the Lord, because he's gonna work powerfully through you if you let him. You see, when when you're on your own, all you can do is what you can do. When you're with Jesus, you can do what he can do through you. But for that to begin, you, like Abraham, have to follow. You have to choose choose you have to come to Christ. And he's saying, come to the land that I will show you. Man, if an 8 year old can do it, you can do it. You just gotta trust Jesus. Let me pray for you right now that you would trust him. Father, I know that people in our church are going through just difficult things, test after test, trial after trial. And God, some of us are hanging on by a thread. God, would you just strengthen us right now? strengthen our resolve and strengthen our faith. Help us believe and help our unbelief. And for those who are on the fence and aren't sure if God is real, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would work in and through them right now to reveal to them the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And God, we pray that you would borrow my words and speak your word to their heart and awaken faith in them. A saving faith, a real faith that passes the test and does incredible works, far beyond anything they could have ever imagined that they could do on their own. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.